Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Hey, what's up, Liquid Church? Big shout out to New Brunswick, Nutley, and Mountainside campuses. Glad you guys are here for week four of our series, Modern Love. Today you are in for a treat. I have invited a special guest. Her name is Jackie Kendall, and she is the best-selling author of the book, Lady in Waiting. And Jackie is going to be sharing a message today called How to Affair-Proof Your Marriage. So lean in. She's going to have some fresh insights on relationships. And Jackie is full of energy, a lot of fun, and I really want to close this series by you hearing from a woman. So you can have a female perspective to help out balance some of the issues we've been exploring in modern love. So Liquid Church, let's lean in and give a big liquid welcome to our new friend, Jackie Kendall. Wild Woman from West Palm Beach, Florida. And wild stands for winning in life's demands because of Jesus. Um, anyways, I'm honored to be here in New Jersey. Um, I do hope I get to go home. <laughs> the snow, they say, oh, it's going to snow and you never get out. I go, aren't you guys used to that kind of weather? Like in Florida, if it snowed, it'd be a crisis. But anyways, um, I, before I get into just a really, this material I studied like halfway into my marriage. I was a little sad that people in leadership hadn't shared it when we were, it could have saved a lot of pain in my marriage. So if you're already a little ways in, you're like, well, good, bring it now. Um, it's just, we can learn this material at any time. And for those of you who are not married, this is the best time to learn it. Because when I was not married, I went to marriage seminars, I worked tables, I went to parenting seminars. Because of my background, I was doomed. I mean, I might as well had a bullseye on me or something. I was a bozo magnet. I was doomed for a marriage that would be not last longer than a breath mint. I mean, I was really in trouble because of my background. I'm sorry, I was raised in a um, counselors in Palm Beach, well, actually in Miami, they were together on a Christmas dinner and somebody said they brought up my name and they go, oh, her family, totally top 10 dysfunctional background families. I'm like, I don't know that I want that description, but then it makes the miracle of what I'm going to share today even more. And the miracle is that Jesus can take you from the most ragtag upbringing or the, the easiest upbringing. How lovely, there's four people in here have had that. But for the rest, for some of us have come from homes that were pretty tough. So it's a miracle that I even wrote Lady in Waiting. When people meet me, because in the book, you don't know my story. Do you just know that I learned how to wait for a man worth waiting for? Um, which rather than being a bozo, was a Boaz. And um, the whole book's on that. But the interesting thing is when they hear my story, they're like, like, whoa, I would never have known that about you. Oldest of seven children, all of us molested by my father. Two of them killed themselves. The rest have spent a lifetime of what I call living suicide in that they're drug addicts and alcoholics. And I met Jesus. And that changed everything. And that's why I'm alive. And that's why I have hope, even though I've seen heinous and horrible things. And yet the hope in him is stronger. So let me tell you, that's a key to a good marriage is a good relationship with Jesus. Because as your pastor brilliantly has taught, I've been watching what he did before now, that when you get married, even if you meet, marry a Boaz, he's still a sinner. And even if you marry a lovely Christian girl, she's still a sinner. And so 
these are just some things I learned that, and it was based on the best-selling book, His Needs, Her Needs. Those of you who know it, you already know the material. This will be just a fun refresher. Some of you are like, what? But anyways, this counselor did research. He um, interviewed 25,000 couples. He was just trying to piece together a man's five greatest needs and a woman's five greatest needs. And this was the conclusion. And I've taught it for years and years and years. My husband and I have taught it to professional athletes. We've worked with the pros, baseball and football, for 22 years. And so we've seen all walks of life learning this material. Affair-proofing your life. Um, I cannot assure you that you, there, this would lead to an affair-proof life, but it can certainly help prevent it, okay? Because you have to live these things. You can't just know about them. So let's get to the first one. I want to talk about a... What would you guess is a woman's number one need? Just right, we already know what the man's is. That, that's not rocket science. A woman's number one need. Okay, what is it? Security. What? Security. Fabulous. All of those. Unconditional love, security. We're, those all get covered in this. Bravo, what a smart group. Okay, we can just close. All right, anyways. Um, a woman's number one need actually, and I got this wrong when I, because at the beginning you're supposed to take a test. I got it wrong totally, of course, um, is affection. The problem with a man, if you say the word affection, he thought you just spelled S-E-X. So you say affection, I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Affection for a woman is that you're standing with a group of friends after church and he just reaches over and takes your hand. Now, there are some women who do not like public displays of affection. So check, that doesn't work for her, so don't do that. Um, but for the rest. Um, another thing is just saying I love you. Do I have to say it all the time? No. <laughs> I mean, it's three words. <laughs> love you. I mean, come on. Um, it's like kiss her without having to get anything else. You know what I mean? Get her a gift when it's not Valentine's Day. For all of you who forgot Valentine's Day, I know you meant goodwill towards her. You just forgot. You're so busy here in New Jersey. So anyways, um, so her number one need is affection. And what's so interesting is affection is defined as the environment of the marriage. And sex is actually the event but you've got to have the environment to get to the event. Some of you are like, okay, that's what I missed. Okay, I need to know what this is, All right? Um, they, there's a book, a best-selling book, long, long ago, it was called Sex Begins in the Kitchen. You're like, really? That's where we start. No, it meant un unloading the dishwasher, helping clean up. That's actually a turn-on for a woman. Some of you men are like, really? I didn't get that memo. All right. All right, so a woman's number one need is affection. Like my husband will take my car without me knowing and fill it up with gas. So then I go to run somewhere and I jump in my car and I can see it. Oh, oh I'm so loved. And he's a lucky boy tonight. You know, just fill my car up with gas. That's all I'm asking, okay? Seriously, these little thoughtful things. Now, that's a woman's number one need. Now, a man's number one need, duh. We all know, sex, all right. But I, when I came to the part of the book where it says a man's number one need, I thought it was going to say sex, but that's not what it said. It said sexual fulfillment. I'm like, like what your pastor was saying in one of his messages about hanging from chandeliers. I'm like, no, I don't think that's what it's talking about. It was kind of interesting. Um, sexual fulfillment is when a man does not sense from the woman that she is just enduring the event. Like, okay, put it on the list. After you're done, I got to breastfeed the baby. Go away. You know, leave me alone. So, you know what I mean? It's like a list thing. That, for a man, 
I did not know this. I'll be honest. In my book, you should see the big red circle with the sunshine drawn, like a big moment of revelation that really, if it's just a to-do list thing for me because I want to take care of my man because I'm the only woman on earth that legally can fulfill that need of his, do you realize you can hire a woman to cook, clean your house, even take your kids to school? Do you hire a woman... Otherwise, that's illegal. Your wife is the only one in all the universe. You are given that great privilege. Well, when I'm trying to encourage women in that area, they're like, it's like a to-do list. Well, a man feels that, and he feels his self-esteem is insulted because he feels if he was a great lover, you would never endure him. Don't kid yourself. All right. Now, so um, something to be aware of, of how vulnerable. Watch the statement. I'll, I'll just read it so much better. The typical wife doesn't understand her husband's deep need for sex any more than a typical husband understands a woman's deep need for affection. So we're mutually confused. We were teaching this one time in a Bible study, and a guy, I mean, we're barely into the second comment, raises his hand, he goes, why did God make us so different and then expect us to love each other when we're so different? And I, I kind of was yelling, and it wasn't in my notes, and my husband kind of just puts his arm around me when someone comes up. I go like this, uh, I know why. Because it allows us a chance to live unselfishly. That means I'm more like Jesus, esteeming others more important than myself look on to the interest of others more than myself. This is very hard in America right now. We're a very me-centric, narcissistic society. Not here in New Jersey, but Palm Beach County. We are horrible. We are horrible. <laughs> horrible! Do not move there. Okay. Um, uh, Philippians 2.4 says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, I have one new thing I've created. My husband and I do a marriage tune-up on the radio every Wednesday. And one of the things we've come up with all these people are sneaking around, not where we're from. All these people are sneaking around having these affairs. I have a new slogan, have an affair with your spouse. All the cool sneaking things you do, do it with your wife. All these, you know, everybody gets this hotel. and Get a hotel with your wife. Park your car in an alley with your wife. I mean, do it with your wife. We've had to do that with high schoolers in our small house. We were doing that a lot. We got caught, pulled over by police all the time. Why don't you two get a room? We do have one. There's too many kids around them. All right. Okay. So, the, hey, let me tell you, you know what cracks me up about sex and, and how we have so perverted it and destroyed it? God Almighty's idea. It was his. We all think it was man's idea. God made it, and he made it to be honorable and beautiful and if you doubt it, how wonderful, read Song of Solomon. Some of you don't need to read it right now. If you're single, don't read it. But if you're married, you probably need to review, read it. Um, Hebrews 13, verse 4, let the marriage bed be held in honor among all. Okay, next point. Another thing a woman needs, and this is where all the men groan. Uh, okay. Another thing a woman needs, second to only affection, is conversation. That's like stabbing a man, toothpick in his eyeballs. After I work all day, I can't bear to say another thing. I want to come home. I just want to be quiet. Well, then sit in your car until you go to work the next day because that's not going to happen. You need to talk to your wife. You got to get something. You better talk. You just don't understand. Women feel used if you want that and haven't even said, hi. Oh, who are you? What's your name? No, really. Um, the problem with most people in conversation, and I hear this from men all the time, um, I don't... I don't even know where to start sometimes. It's like, I don't even, or, or they say, I've got this game coming on tonight. DVR it. 
DVR your game or your stats or Rome's burning or whoever else is on. Or, I mean, all, whatever's going on, just DVR and give your wife a couple minutes. And when you're giving her a couple minutes, just touch her. Just, just lay your hand on her, lay her shoulder. Just say, hey, babe, what was the worst part of your day? Some of you wouldn't dare ask that. Because <laughs> you've already heard it. What was the best part of your day? <laughs> And wives say the same to your husband. You want him to learn how to ask questions, and you ask questions. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, Deep is wisdom in the heart of man. Wise is the one who draws it out. Learning how to ask questions is not only great in your marriage, it's great in all relationships. It's great with your children during windshield time when you're tooling them all over town. You know, it's great with friends who are shut down because something terrible happened. You all know it, but nobody wants to say anything about it. It cracks me up how people do that. You're in the same room like, is anybody going to bring it up? Anybody going to say anything? All right, so conversation. Just be aware that your wife um, longs for you to ask her something about her day besides, did you pick up my dry cleaning? Really, that's all you got for me? Um, I, one other thing I'm a little concerned about, and I know we're all vulnerable to this, with the magnificent entrance of social networking, I'm amazed how many men are communicating with other women from their past when they can't even say hello to their bride. Just be careful. Be careful about a man at work that you notice that you speak very, this is for the women of, are in the workforce. Be careful about a man at work that tends to ask you a lot of questions about yourself and you speak very comfortably with you. You'd be surprised how conversation is the heart of the beginning of more affairs. Everybody, I've, I've dealt with so many people who've had affairs and it all began with someone. I have a friend that went back to get her master's and all how she got tempted, she didn't give in, tempted with affair with somebody who was put on a team that they worked on a project. And he would always ask her about this or that, and then she'd go home and her husband was silent. After a long day at work, he didn't want to say anything. He was exhausted, like a rocket scientist. You know, I get that. So he never said anything, and she noticed he always did. So one day she said to me, this guy's talking to her. He always asked me the most interesting questions. I went like this, listen to me. You need to stop talking to him apart from your project. She goes, what are you talking about? You talk, because they were going to meet and just have lunch and talk. I said, you go to lunch to him with him. I'm calling your husband. She said, you wouldn't dare call my husband. Oh, yes, I will. I will grab you out. I will tell your husband you're going to lunch. Because affairs begin with foreplay, which is communication, where one soul catches another one in a moment of communication. So just be careful about neglecting communicating with the one you love. You're setting them up. Okay, well, that was a high and low moment right there. Okay. Just be careful, just beware. You have to work with people, you have to communicate. One of my dearest friends on all the earth had a communication with a very godly man though. She asked him some hard questions, they began an affair, broke up his marriage, seven children never talked to him again, all of that through talking. Just be careful, I'm sure that's not your issue because you guys are, this is New Jersey, you're together. This is not Palm Beach County. You are, I know you're more. Okay, all right. Now, another thing a man needs besides sex, uh, even though you could say the top five, sex, 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 there is a second one, and it's called recreational companionship, zippity-doo-dah. What's important about recreational companionship is this. See, I think that men would rather recreate with other men playing the same sport, right? Like, you would never want me on a golf course. They, they, I can see the men crying, please do not bring your wife. I mean, I, I understand that. So because I'm compassionate and I understand that, I have never, ever entertained participating with any recreation with my husband because I'm a, too much of a klutz. So his family bought these club seats at the stadium for this team. 
You don't want to mention they're so pathetic, but when you've got a team, you're happy to have a team. But anyway, so every time tickets were available, he said, hey, you want to go to the game with me? I go, oh, don't waste those tickets on me. No, I'd always say, don't waste. Get a guy in the church. You know the guys all stand in line going, you got a ticket? You got a ticket? Everyone wants to go. So every, week after week after week after week, and then I read this book, and it said that men actually want your companionship. They don't want you talking all during the game, but they do want your companionship. <laughs> Like, they all put their headsets on, they've got the little things, they're like, hey, we have a screen TV this big, let's stay home, we can watch the replays, you know, what are we doing? Then they all bring their little TVs and watch it, like, why do I need to be there? Okay, so when I read that he really wants me there, I was in such a state of shock, so he comes home from a game, how is the game, blah, blah, blah. you know, remember conversation, asked about what he's interested in, yeah, yeah, let him talk, I go, let me ask you something. can I go to the next game? I'm telling you, my husband was passed out, hit the ground, bounced off, stood back up, you want to go to the game with me? I go, you don't want me to go? Let's see what's the trouble. You don't want me to Yes. And it began an adventure with my husband that I realized it, he doesn't want me to weigh in. He just wants my presence. Okay, just something to ponder. Okay, moving right along. Okay, another thought. Recreational companionship, girls. All right. Now, this one's hard for men. And um, I don't know if I'm going to do that one. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. All right. All right. She needs you, and you're going to go, you just did two like that. Okay, what a woman needs from you. I already told the wife she needs recreational companionship. All right, a woman needs you to be honest and open, which requires what? Communication again. Don't, that broad keeps saying the same thing. Tell her to pick something new. Okay, but let me tell you something about this type of communication. This is not what you have every day. These are the things that you have over a long marriage every once in a while. But what I have learned, why most men are not as honest as their heart would be willing to be, or as open as their hearts really are, because their wives edited them, edited them into silence. Because of how she overreacted to something he said, he's like, I am never bringing that up again. When she needs to hear your heart, but you're so afraid she'll become so ballistically hysterical. So you walk around with this fake grin on, like everything's okay. And when the marriage comes, implodes and comes apart, you find out things about your husband when you're really, your marriage is struggling. They think, how come I didn't know it? Then you go see if you're smart, a marriage counselor, and you listen in the arbitration, like you'll say, but he never told me that. And then I remember the first time a counselor said that to me, are you safe enough to tell? Pardon me? Are you safe enough to tell? Okay, so that's something to think about. Are you someone who can take a breath? Because the reason you need to learn how to listen to stuff that is, makes you uncomfortable as a woman and not cry and take a breath is because if you cannot learn this with the man that you love, you will never be calm when your child is trying to confide something in you that is so painful that you're not safe to confide in either. Daddy already knows it, and we all know it. So be the kind of woman that a man can be open and honest with. And I heard this done in a presentation, and I remember we got in the car and I said to my husband, is there any particular area that you've never felt safe to talk to me about? I mean, I, this is your big moment, Ken. My heart's totally open. What would you say? And he said, I just always felt that when I'm struggling in our marriage, I feel like I can't tell you that because you have come through so much heartache from your family that immediately you'll think it's the end of the world. Like, we're done! We're going to be a statistic! 
back, you'll completely overreact when all he wanted to say is every time you run out the door to do something for Jesus, to run help somebody in need, go comfort another woman who's thinking of taking her life, go help it. Every time you run out the door, I always have this thought, wow, if I maybe was a more exciting of a person, maybe once in a while she'd stay home for me. Oh, he said that. He didn't get ballistic or tears. I was so stunned it knocked the breath straight out of me. And I thought, oh, wow, how often men have the deepest of thoughts. Now they have silly ones too, I can assure you. Like whenever you say to a man, what do you think? And they say nothing because they don't want to admit what they were thinking. <laughs> I'm like, sometimes whenever they say nothing, you probably be glad he said nothing. <laughs> if he had told you what he just thought, you're like, you need professional help. We must go right now. All right. Um, and why we need, why men, why she needs you to be honest and open is she gets to grow up that way. In the same, same way, when she's honest and open with you, you get to grow up too. Marriage is the greatest sanctifying tool on earth. You become more like Jesus being married and relying on him to keep you from running your spouse over with a truck. Um, you learn that. That's how you grow spiritually. It's magnificent. Um, Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. So being honest is not to isolate you, it's to draw you too closer. Just something to ponder. Okay, another need. This one is the defensive one, and this is just what was on the list. I did not make this up. Okay, so the woman needs you to be honest. Please do not be honest about this. <laughs> I'm warning her now. Um, he needs, a man needs a good-looking spouse, attractive spouse. Let me say what attractive means. Attractive is what you do with what you have, okay? Um, when I read this book, it did not talk about a woman looking, you know, um, airbrushed like all the porn stars and all. It wasn't talking about that. It wasn't talking about people who've had enough facelifts that need cranes to redo work her face at this point. I mean, it's not talking about that. It's talking about a woman having a vague semblance to who she was. Like, is that you, Jackie? You know, I mean, is that you, sweetheart? Okay, that's you. All right. So, and I, I read this quote, it's pretty, pretty deep, but I thought, yeah, that's a great way to say it. It may sound immature or selfish, but most men find it nearly impossible to appreciate a woman for her inner qualities alone. Now, what I had the hard time with that, when I became a Christian, I was so excited because the Bible describes that you become even more beautiful every day as you grow in Jesus. Your inner woman, your inner man, just irresistible. So I got really excited about that. So when the barn's falling apart, the roof falls off and the windows come out, you know, your inner, your inner person is just younger and more beautiful. So I was excited about that. And so then when I was studying this, I'm like, oh man, I still have to paint the barn, put the siding back up, you know? Okay, so it was a good, it was good, it was good for me. Um, working with pro athletes, I learned something though. Um, my husband and I have counseled many, many, many people who have had affairs. And one time when one woman came to talk to us about finding out her husband had committed adultery, when she left us, you know, I had been crying. And my husband walked out on the porch as we watched her drive away and I was standing next to him. And my husband, this was a moment where he could be honest. He said, may I be honest about the situation? I go, okay. <laughs> he goes, how does a man who has a wife like that commit adultery, because she was probably one of the most beautiful people we've ever met, because it's not about being the most beautiful person. It's when a man's needs are not being met, he's more easily seduced by another human being. In the same way for women, 
Like when they'll say, how could she do that to her husband? When a woman's needs are not being met, she doesn't even know how thirsty she is till someone offers her a glass of cold water. Okay, moving right along. Now everybody's looking panic. Don't panic. Hey, you learn this stuff, and you work on it, and you have a marriage that lasts for a lifetime. I've been married 40 years. Praise the king. And we are actually having a blast. And I look at these young couples. I'm like, peace out. You know nothing yet. Wait till you get to this point. That's when the party is. Okay, so I know I mean, some of the shingles are falling off, but we're still doing good. All right, now. All right. Okay, now this is for the guys. We picked on the girls. Now we're going to go back to the guys. Make it equal opportunity picking on you. Okay, another thing a woman needs from a man is she needs to live, and I have to say this carefully, she needs enough money to live comfortably, comfortably, not extravagantly, comfortably. I come from Palm Beach County. It is a horrible place because everybody equates happiness with wealth. A woman who lives in a 20,000 square foot house, when she blew her brains out, one of the first remarks I heard from this one woman, it goes, how could someone who has that much kill herself? I, I, you know, when I hear statements like that, it takes everything I have. I look at them like, don't say it, Jackie. You love Jesus. And I go, I go like this. You know what makes me sad is that we equate happiness with stuff. But I, I just want to say something. It says, happy is the couple who tries to live on what they need, not on what they want. The problem with America is that we're lighting candles constantly in front of materialism, and we worship it, and we equate people. Do you know that people, I constantly hear people describe based on their wealth and their accomplishments all the time. You never talk about, is he, he's a good father and a good friend, or she's a wonderful woman, she's so unselfish, she has joy in serving. You never hear terminology of style of life. You always hear stuff, the American way. It's ironic in all the pictures of American Christian. You know, if you look at teenagers, they're always got that scowl where they're trying to look sexy. They look bored. Where you go overseas, where you meet the poorest children in the world. My husband's taken people overseas for 22 years. The poorest kids in the world, and you give them an apple, and they're, they're so happy. And I thought, help, look at this. Amazing. But when it comes to living on what you earn rather than what you dream you're going to earn, <laughs> um, it's amazing about learning contentment. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And with most people, they really think contentment comes with more money. And you always ask people, how much more? Well, just a little more. And then they get a little more, then just a little more. Kind of interesting. Um, Philippians 4.11-13 teaches us that to, it, it's a mystery, and it takes time to learn contentment and learn that things don't satisfy if things really satisfied, then the richest people on earth would never be divorced. They would not be having affairs because they would be satisfied with all that they have. They're not. They're as miserable as everybody working at Walmart. I'm sorry, they're all the same. They think it's about the stuff. Not you all, because you're smarter than that in New Jersey. Um, but what I want to tell you one more thing about in your marriage, why you need to learn this financial thing. Really, I don't care if you need to take a Dave Ramsey course or something. If you don't learn this, you will train your children to be future dissatisfied spouses. There are more men that my husband has counseled who are married to women who are never satisfied. You can never get her enough. The house is never big enough. The car, car is never nice enough. There's not enough money in the bank. Never, never, never. And you produce children who grow up who are so dissatisfied that they can't survive even normal, healthy, middle class, whatever you want to call it. They can't handle it because they always want more. That's why they call parents the original drug dealer. You just give it, give, give, give. They never learn to wait. They never learn to postpone present pleasure for future fulfillment. They don't know how to wait for anything. Wait's like a cuss word to people who are gotta have, gotta have, me-centric. One other warning in all marriages, well, in some, excuse me, 
in the majority of marriages, a spender will marry a saver. And that's supposed to be a blessing, okay? So when she's wanting you to save, you're wanting to spend, you're to balance each other out. If you have two savers, then you never spend any money and your children grow up to crave money more than anything because your parents hoarded it. Or you have parents who are two spenders who are always in debt and there's always that tension and the marriage doesn't last. A lot of marriages come apart because of the financial pressures. Not here, but in Palm Beach County constantly. Number eight. <laughs> Another thing, okay, now this is something really important, and this one gets everybody riffed because the millennials hate this part, but I'm sorry, it hasn't changed. Another need in a man's life, the best way I describe it, is called domestic bliss. Bliss. Domestic bliss, what does that mean? You can't comprehend it. It's this peace and quiet. Your house is your castle. Really? My house ain't a castle. It's like a war zone. Okay, and what's, what's, what's happened? Okay. I heard this description that a man's basic fantasy is to have had a long, hard day at work. He's driving home, and he's already in his soul getting excited. I'm not talking about the number one need one, okay? He's getting excited because he's going home. Home used to mean a safe place. Home used to be a man's castle. Home used to be a man. When a man walks in, there's it's McDonald's again, isn't it? I smell that. I recognize that. Well, I'm McDonald's <laughs> But I meant, you know, he comes home and his kids greet him. Hey, Dad! Most kids are chronic partial attention. You're like, huh? Because they're focusing on their little iPads and their little toys and all. They don't even know a human walked in. But, I mean, but a man longs for that. So ultimately, Proverbs 31 calls a woman to walk in a place that she knows how to make a home a welcoming place. The problem is in our society, because we are so materialistic, lighting our candles in the God of Mammon, worship, worship money, then women now have left the homes where they were to care for and get things ready for the man. So that being true, we have to deal with reality. If your wife goes out the door, number one rule in all houses, ready, hit, get a housekeeper. If you're asking her to leave the house and work all day and you expect her to even coherently think about what's for dinner, then she needs to come home to a clean house. And then the two of you, second rule, is a division of labor, it's called. I've watched couples do this. Um, she, he hates doing uh, dishwasher stuff, loading dishwasher, she'll do that, and he'll put a load of clothes in. You divide whatever's left over after the housekeeper. Housekeeper can come once a week. You guys are not there anyways. Nobody's even at home. So what I'm saying, what is you work together as a team, because men really do long for this. I know that some men have lived on their own a long time, and then they get married, so they're better suited to sharing domestic support. But just be aware that deep in a man's soul, I have a son that works 80 hours a week. He actually would love to eat when he gets home. It's like a fantasy for him. You would think it's women and porn. No, it's a meal that's actually got cooked. Like most makes the body shake. So uh, that's real for all men. And, and uh, maybe not in this exceptional state that's not here, but for everywhere else I go. All right. So domestic support. So get a housekeeper. And I always hear men go, we can't afford a housekeeper. Your wife is working full time and you're working full time. You want her to work five jobs? You make her leave the house, you make her work five. She's health, you know, she has to do everything else when she gets home. Not possible. I'm sure you wouldn't expect that in this group. You're so smart. Okay, another one. All right. Another thing a woman longs for from a man besides we've talked about her affection and conversation and honest openness and live comfortably. Um, last but not least, every woman who is a mother longs for a good father from her husband. Um, you want to win a woman's heart. You win your children's heart. You win your wife's heart. A man that's not there for his children, even though he feels he takes care of them and his bride, 
the wife sees that, and it, it gives birth to a growing resentment. Um, I always say a great husband is a great father. Um, now, it's, it takes a lot, you guys, because you guys work so much. But I'm telling you something. Um, we've worked with, um, because we work with athletes, they always thought they were so different. Like, well, you don't understand. I have to pitch today. I don't care if you have to pitch today. You call your boy over before you leave for the park to warm up. You call him over, ask him to pick out his favorite book. Bring it to daddy. It might take you three and a half minutes. But three and a half minutes, your boy's sitting on your lap. Let's read this together. That's three and a half minutes where you get to demonstrate Deuteronomy 33:12, where it says, the beloved of the Lord rests between his shoulders. It's being on Papa God's lap and on Daddy God, Daddy's lap. Do you understand? You're getting him used to the voice. He listens to your voice. Hopefully, he'll listen to God's voice someday. So many men are like, oh, I'm just uncomfortable. Like, I'll talk about praying with your children before they go, I wouldn't know how to pray. Pray to God over my child. Trust me, they're a kid. They don't even know you're praying wrong. Just talk to God in front of them. Some religions, and I'm not, I'm not saying who, some religions make prayer like it's just high in the seventh heaven on the four layers of the seraphims and the five humulus clouds and all that. Prayer is communication between two people that love each other. God loves me and I love him. I don't talk to my husband, oh dear, holy husband. You know, and I, hey, get, you know, you talk to God because you love God, he loves you. And you talk that way to God in front of your child. You'll win their soul. Roger Stahlback used to say, putting my kids at night, bed at night is the best thing I do. Because I just lean against the wall when they're getting dressed. How is your day? He goes, the question's, how is your day? And I notice my kids open up to me. Other men say their children never open up because they're never around them when their soul is open. Just pay attention, especially in the evening. We've had people in our home, guests, very famous people that I will not name. And literally when it's bedtime, we don't say, we don't skip our ritual. But like, excuse us for a minute. You can see the butt going, what are you doing? You just need to sit here for a minute because we're going to pray with our kids before they go down. And I know when we've walked back out, they're kind of sitting there going, they left us? Because the priority is to teach a child to be comfortable hearing God spoken to so that in their day of trouble, they will speak that comfortably to God. What a gift. Okay, last but not least. Oh, one other time, thing about talking to your children and being a good father. There are more dads that resent when they have to pick their kids up from something when you get in the car, when you're going to pick them up, start anticipating what a privilege this is. I call it Holy Ghost chauffeuring because you cannot believe how, much thing, how many things get said during windshield time. I mean, I have things that have been confided in me that other parents will say, wow, how did you ever get your child to say it? I picked them up from soccer practice. Like, wait, they said that after soccer practice because after they run and, da, 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 and they get in the car and the school day's over and they finish soccer, they get in the car and they're so worn out and you just kind of stay quiet for them and you say, hey, how was your day? Boom, it just comes out. That's why most parents never get anything, especially at junior high, senior high. Yeah, how was your day? Fine. That's how they talk. You got to be where they are when they are. I was constantly tooling everybody's kids, and I got to know all the secrets. Every parent wanted to know anything. They'd always call me because I had windshield time with everybody's kids. I'd hear things going on. I'm watching. Who said that? Who just said that in my car? I'm watching. Oh, Jesus, right? I, I, I pray all the time. I pray over these kids, and it's fun to now see them so many years later, all the cool things God has done in their life, all because we had windshield time in our car. Look forward to that moment. All right. Last but not least, um, a number one, these are the five top needs, remember, of a man. Five is not less. Five is the top five. Okay, get that. Another big need in a man's life makes him extremely vulnerable to other women is that when he is not receiving admiration and respect from his bride. 
A man can be applauded at work, get promotion after promotion, raise after raise, but if he does not feel respected by his beloved wife, does not feel admired by her, he feels endured by her, tolerated, then he's very vulnerable to a simple compliment. I saw a young person screaming at her father. I get on all kinds of exciting things, screaming at him for having an affair. And he, she said this, you represented the ideal couple. You and mom, how could this happen? And the father said, I did not know how hungry I was till she came along. Because he just lived day after day with being criticized, nagged, berated, constantly never measuring up. And some sweet little honey comes along and applauds one thing he did. And he kept repeating it in his head, thinking about it, looking forward, hopefully running into her again. And there we go. Something that simple. So for those of you who can't even comprehend the father, <laughs> some of you are like, it's so much easier to criticize. You're right. That's why we all need Jesus. I've actually challenged people to go into what we call critical fast, to fast from criticizing. Try to go a whole week without saying anything negative to your spouse. That works for both of you, really. Because Ephesians 5.33 is not a suggestion. It literally says that wives are to respect their husband. It's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. But it says... Husbands are to love their wives. So when a woman feels loved by a man, respecting and admiring him is easy. But if a woman doesn't feel loved, she has to, by faith, through what we sang about, the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He's called the co-groaner, is one of the translations for him, Romans 8, 26, that when you're groaning going, I can't believe you just said that, and you're kind of groaning, the Holy Spirit groans right with you. But that same Holy Spirit will say, forgive them right now. Don't go to bed angry. You want to kill your love? Go to bed angry with someone you love. You go to bed angry at your spouse, you'll wake up a little less in love. You go to bed angry with one of your children and you try to put on your little happy face the next day, you wake up a little less in love. Because love is aborted by anger. Be very careful. That's why it says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down, and we're getting ready to have daylight savings time with the sun's going forward, so it's going to be up longer. So that means you can be angry a little bit longer. I love those days. I love that I can be angry at least to 8 o'clock. Yay! Then I'll forgive him. Yeah, okay. 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 Back, one thing more about respect. Um, I have had women say, if I felt love, then I would respect. No. Here's how it works. You compliment your husband before he goes to sleep tonight. Now, you already know that you've been set up, but go ahead and compliment him. Thank him for working. Now, you go, I work too. Well, be a brat. Okay, go ahead. But compliment him and ask the Lord to show you something about him that meant goodwill. Like men run out and get your card, but they get it for the wrong day. Hey, give it to him for at least getting your card. You know what I'm saying? Gets it for your anniversary, but it's Valentine's Day, wrong card. It's all right. Goodwill. See, you, you have, you intend. That's what love, love always hopes. Love always believes. And that's what Jesus, and that's what Liquid Church cares about. They care about a marriage that lasts longer than a breath mint. But let me tell you, it requires two good forgivers. And don't go around calibrating each other, you know, grading each other. Okay, you get two points for that and one for that. No, 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 no. You look forward to a chance today that before your sweetie goes to sleep tonight that you get a chance to love on them. Whether you invite them to something that you're going to do recreation and your wife says yes, <laughs> or whether you're at a moment of admiration or maybe you have a moment of honesty or maybe just a moment of thinking, 
I need to go back on that diet. No, I'm just kidding. Whatever, you know, whatever it is that you paint the barn, I don't care. But, um, but the best part about all this, I have to say this, is Jesus. Thank you. Father God, Father God, I, Father God, I just praise you for the teachable hearts in this room. I praise you that you care about good marriages. I praise you that sex and all that stuff was your idea. I praise you that you know it's best in a place of honor. I praise you again for Liquid Church. I praise you most of all for Jesus who yelled, it is finished. You paid it all. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.